0: This morning we're going to read from Acts chapter 4, the very uh, last of Acts chapter 4, the very end, Acts chapter 4 and verse 32 this morning, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week, Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, and then in Acts chapter 5, so Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through to 5.10. So if you're reading in a pew Bible this morning, you'll find that on page 1096. Page 1096. This is God's word to us. Peter and John had just been on trial. They had been released. And they'd just uh, the passage just before us, the prayer meeting had just ended. And then we come into verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the seals and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest of the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And then the young man came forward, wrapped, him, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. And about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? look. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Amen. And we thank God for His Word to us, and we'll look at it a little bit later. Please do turn with me to the book of Acts this morning. And as we pick up at the end of Acts chapter 4, and our verses 32 through to 5, and verse 11. Now, this morning, as we think about this passage, what is our aim? What is our aim here as a church, as Hill Street Presbyterian? Our aim is simply this to be faithful to Jesus Christ. That is our aim that we're faithful to Jesus Christ. A number of years ago, whenever I was exploring the call of ministry upon my life, a man said to me this. He said, John, in whatever the Lord gives you, you are faithful to Him. So if you have to put out the chairs, and that's all He trusts you with, you are faithful to Him. And then as he trusts you with more, if he trusts you with more, your call is to be faithful. And as a church, our call is to be faithful this morning. Now in this faithfulness, the question stands before us, are we fired up or are we fake? And hopefully you can see it there, it's a little dog with a mask on. Are we fired up or are we fake here this morning? Are we faking it one Sunday at a time? One conversation at a time? One awkward encounter with the minister at a time, hoping that he doesn't ask us, well, how are you getting on in your walk? The dreaded question that may come to you. Or what did you read today or yesterday or last week? And you're just hoping that you'll get past that awkwardness, that awkward conversation, afraid in case someone should ask. Or maybe... You're not faking it this morning. Maybe you're not on fire, but you're just somewhere in between. You're just sort of coasting along. Well, as we come to this passage, it's either we're fired up or we are fake. And for those of us who are faking it this morning, we see in chapter 5, verse 1 through to 11 here, the seriousness, the seriousness of faking it before our God. So as we work through this, we want us to be open and to be honest with ourselves here this morning. This is no good. It's no good sitting under the Word if we're not open and if we're not honest before ourselves as brothers and sisters, but also with our God. So we're asking for openness as we come to this passage. I was working a few years ago uh, uh, for cherry drainage pipes. There are other pipe companies available, I am sure, All right but for cherry drainage pipes, and I was doing a night shift, uh, and uh, it was our first night on, my friend uh, Mark Crozier and myself, we were working night shift, uh, and uh, it's a big pipe factory, big pipe machine, so they're making twin wall plastic pipes, if that means anything to you, and these pipes are coming consistently, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, this machine runs, and the pipe comes out, and a big blade runs around it, cuts it, and it rolls out into a stack. Well, everything was going fine, a few hours in, and the crates are starting to pile up a little bit. And the boss man who's meant to be working the forklift, well, he's nowhere to be seen. One of the machines has, has, has broke down somewhere else in the factory. So me and my mate Crozier, we're working away. And, and we're realizing that we're soon going to run out of room here. There's no room left in the factory for another bale, of, uh, another bale of pipes. So Crozier says to me, he says, John, can you drive the forklift? Now, the last time I drove the forklift was with Dad a number of years ago. And I said to Crozier, of course I can drive the forklift. No bother to me. Went out, got the forklift, brought it round to the door, put the prongs in, lifted up, lifted up the pipes, started to reverse back, all was going well, going across the yard, bang. Massive crate of pipes, splits open, hits the floor, splits open. Now I'm thinking to myself, this is it. First night, and we're going to get fired. So way back into the, into the factory, gather up another bit of wood, another bit of metal, trying to work at this, get them all packaged back up, nice and neat, and get the label put back on them, and push them over to the far side of the yard, and it took me about 45 minutes during the night shift to get all that done. Sweating, Crozier, him laughing at me. The boss comes in. What is the first thing the, bo- the boss says? Hi, boy. Did you, did, you drop a, did you drop a crate of pipes over the first side of the yard? And I says, look, I'm really sorry I did. I, I, I tried to cover it up. I tried to pretend. And he says, don't be worrying about it. Right. But I tried my best to cover it up. I tried to conceal it. I, I was working so hard I was sweating. Crozier was laughing at me, but here was me. I thought everything was going to fall apart. And he spotted it straight away, the far side of the yard, and he spotted it. doesn't matter how good of a show we put on. doesn't matter how, how much we try to tidy ourselves up, how much we try to cover it up. This morning, as we approach a holy God, if our hearts are fake in it, if we are far from him, if we are saying one thing and doing another, the Holy Spirit can see it. can see it from a mile away. So this morning we cannot fool anyone or ourselves with our fakeness. It might last for a while, but our fakeness must be dealt with hear this church. What's going on? Well, the church is on fire. We looked a little bit at it last week, didn't we? They're they're coming under the the force of the world, and and we see loads and loads of people getting saved. We see it there at the start of chapter 4. There's a great multitude. There's about 5,000 who are converted, and as the pressure comes on this church, what do they pray for? They pray for boldness, not for safety, but for boldness to speak God's Word clearly and to speak it accurately, and we pick it up there in verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. Then into our passage, all the believers were one in heart and mind. So they're fired up. This church is a little church. It's small, but it is fired up. They're praying bold prayers, not protect us, but help us to further the work of the kingdom, even if it costs us our lives. As the council that put the Lord Jesus to death stood before them, they asked, would we speak with boldness? Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, only our God and our Savior. So our first point is simply this. They're fired up by faithfulness. They're fired up by faithfulness. I had a a great... uh, opportunity this week uh, uh, to go up and watch the golf on Friday, and Rory was there, and he had made an absolute mess of things on Thursday, but he tried his best on Friday to pull it all back, and do you want to see what faithfulness is like in following a player around? It's unbelievable. Thousands of people following this guy. F- thousands cheering him on. They're following him. They're running after him, literally, literally sprinting down the greens to try and get a picture of him or, or to see him, and if you'd asked most of the people standing around him, how much money would you give for Rory to make the cut? It would shock you, I would imagine, how much people would be willing just for him to make it through to the next stage of the tournament. They're following him with great faithfulness and eagerness and desire. And he's a fella hitting a stick with a ball around a golf course. And our Savior comes to save us, gives his life for us, are we faithfully following him? What does it look like to be a faithful follower of Jesus? Well, it's simply this, to be against the world, to be for Jesus and against the world, to proclaim him to the world and not to be compromised by the world. To be faithful to Jesus means we are against the world, proclaiming him to the world and not compromised by the world. And here, this church, this little church in Acts, they have great unity in it. Don't we see it there in verse 32? They're all in one heart and one mind. Why have they got one heart and one mind? It's not because they're fudging the big, big doctrinal issues, it's not because they're sort of brushing them under the carpet, but it's because they've got strong doctrine. Strong doctrine is never to be feared. These people in this church know what they believe, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that He has been risen from, or, uh, God has risen him from the dead, and that he is the only name by which he shall be saved. They know who they are. They know their doctrine, and they know their mission. Verse 31 of chapter 4 and verse 20, they know what they have to do. They have to proclaim him. They have to tell people about him, even if it costs them their lives. It doesn't matter. So their mission is clear, their membership is clear, that they have strong doctrine. And they, as they unite together, what do they do? They reject individualism. We see it here in verse 32. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. That would be interesting, wouldn't it, this morning, if we were to share everything that we had. You see, for them, the value of the gospel meant so much more than the value of earthly possessions. And their fuel was simply this, that they were fueled with a passion for the Lord Jesus. Because of chapter 4, verse 12, because their salvation in no one else apart from the Lord, they knew it, they held on to it, they believed it with all of their hearts, they were convinced of it. So possessions, possessions didn't mean very much to them. They might be dead tomorrow. The council might come back for them. They might be crucified. Possessions, they didn't count for anything. And for us, why is it, why is it that all of us, all of us let possessions take such a grip? Everything that we own, and we know this, everything we own will either be sold or destroyed or buried. There's a big hill opposite, or very close to where I live, and it used to be a big landfill site. How many people's lives are in that landfill site? Everything they worked for. Goods will fade, but the joy in the resurrection will last forever. So that should help us this morning as we fight against individualism, as we fight against materialism, the joy of the resurrection will last forever. That's what we're laying up for ourselves in heaven. That's what we've got there. So let stuff go. Whatever it is, whatever material item has a hold on us, we let it go. Psalm 146 and verse 4 says this, and whenever a man dies, he will return to the ground and his plans come to nothing. Nothing. so we use what we have for God's glory, and we don't cling on to it. Fired up by faithfulness. These people are transformed by God's grace. They have everything in common. They have got one heart and one mind, and that is to see people saved for his glory. And they're going to go, and they're going to give everything that they have to see it. How radical are they? Well, here at the end of chapter 4, we see that a man called Barnabas sells a field. Could you imagine that in County Armagh? Selling a field and giving it to the church whenever you're alive. Son of Encouragement, verse 36. Here's Barnabas. And he brings it and he lays it at the apostles' feet. He gives it to Christ. And he says... I understand that I'm going to be dead very soon in the grand scheme of things. I've got a field. Here's some money. And some people might get saved so you can have it. Here it is. Lays it down at their feet. But then we go into chapter 5, and this is our second point and our final point. Some people are finished because of fakeness. Some people are finished because of fakeness. Here we have a funeral or two funerals because of fakeness. This man, Ananias and his wife, well, why are they motivated? Why are they motivated to sell this piece of property that they have? Well, maybe they look at Barnabas, they look at how he's been exalted, they look at the fame that he's getting, and they want it for themselves. So they sell this piece of property, but they think to themselves, look, we'll say we will give everything, but we'll keep a little bit back for ourselves. We've been working through Malachi, we see the great sin of that, and here again it, it appears. You see the enemy's trying to attack the church from outside, and what's it doing? It's compressing them, and they're, they're meeting to the pray, and it's, it's firing them up. So now it's coming from within, and here the, this couple brings their, their sacrifice before, before the apostles and lays it at their feet, but there's fakeness in it, And we maybe think this morning, whenever we read this, it's only a little lie. What's going on? Why why does God God call both of these people out into eternity? It's only a little lie. Surely they've they've, they've given the majority of the money to Him. Whenever we're tempted to say that, we must realize the seriousness of sin before a holy God. And this is something that we often lose. We lose the seriousness of sin. This is a picture of awesome judgment before a holy God. Our God is infinitely holy. And to be worshipped as holy. God is fully pure. He is limitless in His perfection. And until we understand how holy our God is, we cannot understand how devastating our sin is. the potency of our sin, the hopelessness of who we are and the need of His grace. But friends, this morning, whenever we see our sin in light of a holy God, we see our great need of Calvary. And we praise Him because of Calvary. That we're cleansed by His Son's blood. This church here, they understand it, but these two folks... They don't get it. And they're treating God lightly and they've got sin in their hearts. And we see it in verse three. Look at this, look at this statement. Verse three. Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? A heart not filled with Christ. But filled with Satan. And as a church this morning, the warning to us is simply this, that we cannot we cannot be complacent of sin in our church, complacent of sin in our lives. A holy God will not tolerate it. As the church is expanding, as people are coming to know Him as Lord and Savior, surely this would have been really easy to look over. Great things are happening. Miracles are happening. Wonderful things are happening in the church. Here's people, and they're giving a good percentage of their money, But yet Satan had filled their heart. And they kept some for themselves. They tried to deceive. They were fake. And it ended with two funerals. And the challenge for us is this. Where are we faking it this morning? Where in our Christian lives are we faking it? What are we saying on one side and doing something totally different on the other where is the sin of hypocrisy in our lives? You see, if this couple had been open and honest with the apostles, and if they had just turned around and said, "Look, we've sold this piece of property. We're going to give so much here for you, and we're going to keep this little bit for ourselves because we're getting things tight, or or we need this little bit of money," there would have been no issue. But instead, what they try to do is they try to present themselves as something that they're not. what is the reason? Maybe they have wealth as their master. Maybe they have image as their master. They wanted one or the other. Maybe they wanted both. And the key is simply this to it all, that they don't value people above possessions. And for us, that's the challenge this morning. Do we value people above possessions? we may say it, we may say that our hearts are for the people that live around this area and in these streets or for our family member or for our neighbor, but do they mean more to us than our possessions? If we were to lose the car, would it break our hearts more than a friend going out into eternity without knowing the Lord as Savior? Is it the church or the car? Is it souls, or our salary? Is it Jesus, or is it a Jaguar? Is it holiness, or is it a holiday? And don't get me wrong this morning, these things are to be enjoyed. These are good things that God has given us that we should enjoy. But the key is what has filled our hearts, for, for Ananias in verse 3, it is Satan. Satan had filled his heart. He captured him and taken him. The things of this world were brighter than the glory of our risen Savior. So this morning for all of us, the message is simply, stop faking it. Stop faking it. Why? Because we won't be okay. You may go to church, uh, a church and they may say, Keep faking. it. Keep having this image of holiness. Keep, just keep looking like you're doing good. If you look like you're doing good, if you're marking time, if you're in the place, if you've got all the right things ticked, then you're going all right. You'll be all right. Whenever you get the eternity, everything will be all right. And that is a lie here this morning. You won't be all right. Don't fake it. Do we know him as Lord and Savior? Have asked him to forgive us of our sin. Are we fired up for him? Fired up for our Savior. We want to be a faithful church as we close. Faithful to Jesus and fired up for him. We want to be passionate in our prayers for people. Passionate about being in Christ's presence through his word. Passionate about the proclamation of the gospel. About the resurrection. That life is found in him. And then we ask God that his power will come. So this morning, if we have fecked it, just like we thought about with the boys and girls, we praise Jesus that there is forgiveness. So come this morning and ask for it. Maybe you're here this morning, and friend, you've never known the Lord as Savior. Come and put your faith in Him. And friend, if you're fired up, keep being faithful. Keep your quiet, strong faithfulness, and keep plugging along for the Lord. Why? Because he has work for you still to do. That's why you're here. If you're alive and you've got air in your lungs this morning, it's because he's got work for you to do. He hasn't finished with you yet. He hasn't called you home. And whenever your work's done, he will call you home. So live faithfully for him. Fired up. Friends, one day a funeral will come to us, to our house, to our home, And I trust that our hearts will be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, verse 3, that our hearts will be filled with Satan. So we look to him this morning. The one who stirred this church and who gave it a great expansion. And we're asking him, please do the same. Please do the same here in Lurgan. Please Please save people. We're more passionate about people's souls. More passionate about people than we are about possessions. Let us pray. (coughs) Father, we recognize the seriousness of sin because you are a holy God. And Father, we could not even stand or approach you or have our breath unless you have willed it. Father, we thank you so much that you have opened up a way through your Son, that we can come into your presence. But yet, Father, you call us to obedience here this morning, that we would not be fake, but that we would be open and real with you, that you would stir our hearts, we ask, stir our hearts, that we would be passionate for you, fired up, that we would be faithful here in this place, whatever the amount of days that we have left, faithful to you in prayer, faithful to you in your presence by reading your word. Father, faithful in the proclamation of your word, and we ask that your power would come. Father, use us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.